just a few moments. Good to see all of you here. If it's your first time here, we just thank God for each of you uh, here today. And uh, we just, we, we're grateful for you being here. Thank you. And I just want to say, I, I, I want to everybody look at this way and listen this way. And I've asked them this morning. I, I said to, um, to the media team, I actually said to Angela and some of them, I said, it's not really my concern today that the camera runs. We'll be recording it. It will be up on, uh, uh, will be recorded the audio part of it, but not necessarily this part of it. We've got a few things that we're still working on on that. But I just want to say today is a good day to be in God's house. But it's a good day uh, not only for that, but today, and I don't want anything else to overshadow this, today is our, what we call our house to house or our, what we refer to as groups or small groups uh, day. And that is something that I have said to our leaders that I would spend time sharing with them, sharing with you vision on this. And so one of the things I want you to understand is you cannot, and, and I hear this, you've got to be careful that you don't make one service. Uh, you, you're like, okay, last week was this service, this week was this service. God doesn't always move the same. And sometimes he wants to pour out on you to get your attention enough to sit, sit us down and say, let me teach you something now. Let me show you something according to the word of God. Not about what you can get, but what you can give. Amen. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject of uh, this subject, a life that matters. And that's living a life that matters. Now I said to you a few moments ago that we have moments in time that we have to worship God God has given to us a certain amount of time, and I want to just share this with you here on earth, that we are to accomplish what he has. It does not matter how young you are. If you think in your mind that you have a long life to live and that nothing will ever interrupt that, can I tell you, I have been in the rooms of grieving parents who have lost children, teenagers. Are you hearing me? Who have lost, and I'm not trying to be, um, trying to get anybody upset this morning. I just want you to know that to live a life that matters does not mean that you have to be older to do that. You need to do that now. And so before I even get started into this message, this message is dedicated to all of those who lead in our church, everyone who has taken the role in a small group, everyone who's taken the lead into a nursery or you serve in and will serve in overflow. Maybe you're going to greet inside the church or out in the parking lot or you're going to help in some way, somehow. I want to say to you that I thank God for you. I thank you for serving. I thank you and I specifically thank each of these small group leaders. I need everybody listening to what I'm about to tell you. I had texts last week. That I get these texts after these services are over with. And I, I have to be careful because I can gauge who I am and I can gauge how well I'm doing by what somebody says back to me in response. And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you here this morning. But I also understand that as this church grows, and it will, it has and it will, it will continue to grow. If you look around, there's about 200 seats, not quite that out. We'll have to put more seats out as we go into overflow. I've had people ask me, Pastor, what are you going to do with the people that are coming in? And I'm here to tell you, you better get here early. That's all I can tell you. Because when we don't have seats, we'll only be able to take a certain amount of people. You say, Pastor, that's it. That's it. That's all we can do. We can't do anymore. We've had, we've had people say, well, can't you set it up here, do this, that, or the other? I'm telling you, you just need to be here early enough to be able to be in overflow. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. In saying all of that, I want you to hear this, that our small group leaders, those people who are leading in these homes, these smaller groups, hear me, everybody listen to what I'm telling you. I realize that I cannot do what God has called me to do without other key leaders in this church. I realize God has let me see how weak that I can become without him and without other key leaders that are in this church leading and pastoring people. And I'm going to say it again. Without other key leaders helping to lead and pastor people. That's why it's important that we raise up leaders, and I am grateful for those leaders who come along and say, Hey, Pastor, I'm willing to, I'm willing to open my home. I am, I'm grown enough in the Lord. I'm, it's not hard. It really isn't hard. And what I want to do is love people 
and I want to do what I know that can't be done on Sunday morning all the time. It can't always be done in a Wednesday night uh, group. I want to be able to do that, and I want to. We want what we're wanting is for people to be able to be prayed for on a very personal level, to be able to be prayed with, and to be encouraged on a personal level as to where we can't do that. And so, as we as we launch those small groups today. I want to share with you and I want to teach to you just a little bit about why that's important. I'm going to give you a couple of things. We're going to go into some scriptures. We're going to get theologically deep this morning if we can a little bit. And I want you to understand why it's important, why groups are the strength of this church, why they really become the backbone of a church because they do what we can't really have time to do here on Sunday morning. I watch it week in, week out. I watch it not just in this church, but in churches I visit. When I say, okay, this is point number three, we're about to close. Now, you know pastors got to get three closes to get the plane landed normally. But we're going to close, and everybody stand, and you watch people. I can see them. Even with the lights down, they got these front-facing lights. People start checking out. They got to go to the bathroom. They got to leave. They got. It's just that way. It's just how it is. And so there's a lot we don't get through. There's a lot we don't get to do. We we had great prayer time around this altar last week. We had great prayer time before that service, but somebody is praying. Somebody's believing God for these services. I know who they are. I know the people that a lot of them that are praying for these things to happen, and I believe in that great things are on the cusp, but God is trying to raise up within this church and prepare us for the harvest that is coming. We have we have to be ready for what God has ready for us. Are you hearing what I'm telling? You? We got to get ready for what God has got already got ready for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So listen to this. I need my my groups, and I told uh, Joy that I would talk about this. I think I told Christy and, and Angela that I would touch on this while we were in over while we were at Grove Conference. That I would mention a little bit of this about you. Here's a priority, just real quick, and then I'm not I'm not even preaching, just talking, just a minute. Our priorities for these these small groups, for these smaller groups, first of all, the first priority in those small groups is for you to have a personal prayer. In other words, you to be able to have somebody that prays with you. It's my goal that in every small group that we have somebody in those small groups covering another person in prayer. Bethany and I will lead a small group that is designed for specifically for those young married couples who have been married five years or less. We've done this for a couple of seasons now. It's been really successful. And I've made up my mind this time that I am going to, I have, we've come up with a way to be able to have every person in that group being prayed over every day by somebody. We need that. I need that. You need that. We need to be covered in prayer. Your children need to be covered in prayer. It's that is my plan. That's the that's priority one in those groups. And then and then I want to share with you that in our small groups, we every group we've provided this time for those groups that they're limited down to we 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 called them down to smaller groups. So one for the men, one for the women, uh, one for those that are in families, and then. And then we've got our student groups, and we kind of narrowed or streamlined them down. I want to say this. I need everybody hearing this. Because I'll have people say to me, well, Pastor, I don't know what to do. We provided or tried to provide the open door for resource, for curriculum for every one of them. In other words, they have something to bring to them. As a matter of fact, we've got people that have taken the messages that we preach on Sunday morning to those groups and used those, and they've been very effective. In other words, not the whole message, but pieces of that, and they've been effective. But listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. The curriculum is not what gets people saved. It's not what hooks people in. It brings them in. It does bring them to the groups. They do like that. That is kind of the hook that brings them in. Hear me. Relationships are what is built in these groups, that is what it's all about. It's, you know, the food we do, the fun we do, the fellowship we do. It is the excuse to get you together, really. But it's not necessarily the curriculum that changes your life. It is the relationships you will build that will change your life. And people want to know more. They want to be connected to the church. Well, the church is not this building. The church is the people that come into this building. It is the people who are going out and, and winning the loss. So I'm just going to tell you that the curriculum isn't it. It's a good thing. We like it. But it's not. It's the relationships that you will build. 
Secondly, look at this. We, I'm asking all of these leaders. I shared a little bit of this in an email is that I want them to be able to identify people spiritually in these groups. What are you talking about, Pastor? Everybody in here is living on a different spiritual level. You may think you're way up here, you may think you're here, or you're down here. I'm going to preach in just a minute, but we need to learn to identify where people are spiritually. Meaning this, if we got people coming to our groups that don't know Christ, they're lost without Jesus, then we want them to know God. We're trying to get them stepped into where they need to be. And as leaders, we need to listen more maybe than we talk a little bit to try to get to find out where they are. If they know Jesus and they haven't been baptized, we want to get them baptized. Are you hearing me? They're not members of the church and they want to be. We want to. We, you see what I'm saying? We're moving them to the next step. So we're identifying who they are, where they are, getting them to where they need to be. And then lastly, on this priority list for our groups, and I'm going to give you a little bit more here, and that is developing a person from your group, developing someone in your group. Even our students ought to have a leader that's coming other than the leaders, who, the pastor who's pastoring. There ought to be a leader within that group that looks for the next person in your group as a potential to raise them up for the next season. You are constantly working yourself out of a job. You are constantly looking for somebody with the potential. You're constantly taking the bucket and pouring into them. You're constantly giving that priority to them. You say, Pastor, I expected a totally different message this morning. I apologize to you, but I just need you to know if we want this church to grow in this community, we've got to get ready for what God has ready for us. But until we prepare ourselves, come on somebody, and get ourselves to the level that God has, you can have a great service, you can have a revival, you can pack the church out, but until your nets are ready to retain the catch, if you don't don't have coolers enough to keep the fish. Are you hearing me? You're going to have to figure something out. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Small group leaders are the net that God's using to bring the catch that we need. Listen to this. And we want to use that to help care for each of you. And I want to say on this part of this, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. And I want to encourage you today, there's a table that's set up outside. When this service is completely over and we've dismissed it, we've got something for everybody that's here. As far as I know, we've, we've got that ready. We're set up. Thank you, Robbie and, and Joy, for doing that. I thank you. I just want us to do something this morning. I want us to give us just a, a big thank you to all of those people who are going to serve in house to house in our small groups. This Can we do that? Can we just say thank you? Amen. Now, here's the thing. I want to take you and show you how this morning. I want to transition into this message and show you how. Some, some people say, well, I'm not really a leader, Pastor. You are. I don't really impact people. You do. I'm not really an influencer. You can be. Come on, somebody. And I want to show you. I want to show you how it is that I believe that God has called each of us to change the world where we live, where we are. And I believe that you have been created. Listen to me. Hear what I'm about to say to you. That from the beginning, in the beginning, God created us. He set into motion for every person, amen, to make a difference in the life of someone else. That you were not created to live this thing out alone. You were not created to do it by yourself. You weren't created to live out life that way. You were created for community. You were created because you need other people. You can watch social media and watch people trying to gather up a group. Preaching better than you're helping me. Try to gather up a group, even if it's a, a group of three or four, to do something together. Why? You see them post the highlight reels of them gathered together playing cards or eating a meal or doing whatever they're, they're doing, and they've got a small group, and they're happy about that. The reason is God never created you to do life alone. He wants you to do it in community, and you need other people. And whether you believe in small groups or you don't believe in small groups, I will tell you that you will gather in small group. Amen. So the, the, the thing is this. Last week I shared with you, and I talked to you about how each of us are influencers and how we influence 
people around us. How did I talk to you about that? I'll tell you how. We talked to you and told you how that Caleb was the one who had a different spirit. He had a unique spirit. What was it that God saw in him? What was it that God said that I will allow him to go on? Here's the thing. God was basically saying, Caleb, you're getting this thing right now for future generations. Believe me, we need people who are willing spiritually to get this thing right now for what's coming in our earth, what's coming in our next generation. Who will pick up the torch? Who will be the person who leads that small group? Who will be the person who will stand when pastor can't do that anymore? Who will be the person who, who teaches that class, leads those nurseries? Who will do that? We're going to, we are not just going to need those people. We need to raise those people up. So here's what I need you to understand, that for each generation, every generation, God has called the generation before them to change or to impact their life. That's why you love your kids. That's why you love your grandkids. God has called you, even though you love them because you're blood related to them, God's called you and you do impact their life. You come to him and you Stevie loves you so much. Let me give you some sugar. You touch him. Come on, somebody. You lay hands on him. You care about him. You know why you do that? Because you love them. I want to tell you in the church, the, the, mostly in African-American churches, they call, uh, they're called the first lady of the church, the mother of the church. Are y'all with me? They understand they understand that there is a generational uh, blessing and there is a generational curse. Are you hearing me? We are impacting our future of our generations, whether we want to believe it or not. Now, let me take you to the Bible. I'm going to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2. Michael, thank you for doing running the uh, media today. And I want to just tell you, I may jump to a scripture. If it's not there, I'll let you know it's not there so you're not looking for it. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Before I read that as you're getting there, I'm going to just, just summarize in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 5, Paul talking to Timothy. Now, this is not the verses on the scripture, on the screen. Paul's talking to Timothy, and he basically says to Timothy, Hey, look, Timothy, I remember the genuine faith that was shared that filled your grandmother and your mother, uh, Eunice. And he said, Continue in that faith. And then he says, Fan the spiritual flames of God that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. That was Paul laying hands on Timothy, all right? Now, I'm, I'm not going to preach all of that verse, but I'd love to take you to this 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and here's a continuation of Paul talking to Timothy, and this is what he's telling him. He says, Timothy, my dear son. Timothy was not a physical son, but he was a spiritual son. He says, be strong. He's giving him encouragement through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, you have heard me teach things. You you heard me. Paul saying, you heard me say these things, and they have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths. Look at this. Teach these truths to other trustworthy people. In other words, there's someone else that you need to pass this along to. I've given it to you. Paul, I, your father, your spiritual father, am giving it to you. Timothy, your my spiritual son. Now I want you to pass it on to other trustworthy people and who will be able to pass it on to others. Somebody say others. There's four generations that are really represented here. If you want to take it from that standpoint, Paul was saying to him as he was teaching, what you've heard me teach, that you knew it's been, it's reliable. Take it to those reliable people, trustworthy people. And the Bible, and it was basically saying that Paul was saying, I'm living out my life generationally before you, Timothy. And Timothy, I need you to allow this to go on. And I, I just want you to understand that if you're serious about really serving God, if you're really serious about living for God, that I'm going to challenge you in this service this morning not to just live your life for you, not to just live your life for today, but to live your life out generationally. That there are not just your children, but there are spiritual sons and daughters hear me, in the kingdom of God that need you. They need you to step up. You've been taking notes. You've been hearing the word. You've been growing, but they're needing you to step
step up and say, you know what? I've learned and I know what God is doing in my life and He wants to do it in yours as well. He doesn't just want me saved and my family to get to heaven, but He wants me saved, my family, and everybody I know, amen, to get to heaven. Come on, somebody. My goal ought to be not just to take my family to heaven, but to take everybody I can to heaven. Why? Because if I believe that heaven and hell are a real place, then living for God and living this thing out is a reality. If I believe that hell is a real place, then I need to work to populate heaven. Amen. So Paul was teaching them. He said, live this out generationally. Not just, not just concerned about his ministry, but about what Timothy would do and God and what he would do through Timothy. Let me just, let me give this word to you. If you want to write it down, you can. God's kingdom work being done on earth right now is through people. That is his answer. That is his answer. God's kingdom work being done on the earth right now is through people. You know what? You're the people. You're the plan. You're who God has called out. And when you, when God uh, looks at your life, He doesn't just see you. You remember me talking about Caleb? He didn't just see Caleb. He didn't just see Moses. He didn't just see their generation. But he saw every generation that would come behind Caleb. He saw every generation that would come behind Moses. And what he saw was if Moses and Caleb and Joshua did not do or they did not get right what God had called them to do, if they didn't get their spirit back, then it would be lost in translation. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That's why we have to go back and we have to start reteaching and we have to teach over again, over and over and over again. No telling how many times we're asked about simple spiritual doctrines in the church. Part of it is because there are babes in Christ being raised up, but part of it is because some have never grown in the faith enough to really grasp hold of what being spirit-filled is, what laying hands on is all about, what healing is all about. Yet we've heard it taught, we've heard it preached in the church. And what Paul was trying to say was, Timothy, I know you've heard it at me. I know that I've preached it. I know that I've given it to you. But whatever you do, don't let this thing die with me. Don't let it die with you. There's somebody else that needs to hear. There's somebody else that needs to walk free. There's somebody else that needs to know the truth of the gospel. We wonder, Tegan, we wonder why. Pastor Ted, we wonder why. You know, we look at our parents. We look at our grandparents. We know the things that they did. We talk about church that they used to do and church that they used to have. And we'll point blame about why church is not the way that it used to be. It's because y'all got so digital now. Everything's on screen. There's too many lights. Too much smoke going on. Y'all dim the lights. We can't read. In the, let me tell you something. I got news for you. The methods of this thing will always change. You will have to change it. That's that's why your kids won't want to come to church because they're tired of looking at the same old thing all the time and they want something different. They're looking at an iPad screen. They're looking at a TV screen and that's what they're accustomed to and what they're used to. But hear me, it's not about those methods. It is about the message of Jesus Christ that cannot change and the spiritual doctrines of truth that we have to hold steadfast to. We have got to stay steadfast that there's only one way to heaven and that is through Jesus Christ. That every believer ought to be sanctified and filled with the Spirit of God, walking in His truth, in powers, with miracles, and signs and wonders following them. The kingdom of God is being done on the earth right now through people. That people is you. So God looks at us. And I, I want to ask you something. What point in your life do you look at? At what point do you become the person that you look up to. The person that you talk about all the time, when is the, what is the point that you become that person? If I said to you, who is that person in your life that was really influential? Some of you would think about a mom. Some of you would think about a dad. Some of you may think about a pastor. It may be a coach. It may be somebody else. But there's somebody in your life that has been really influential. You talk about that person. At what point do you begin to become living out their life generationally through your life? 
In other words, they did something so much so that it impacted you, your life. And that's called generational connections. One person said we're only about three or four generations or three or four people away from knowing everybody. I know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. You know what I'm talking about. It isn't about what you know. It's about who you know. And if you, a lot of times, want to know. There's a lot of times I'm going to uh, say this out because uh, Beth and I will get to talking about something in the community. We're trying to figure out how we know them or who they are or something like that. And a lot of people I do know, a lot of people I do know the connections, but many times I'll go to Gray Lynn and I'll say, Gray Lynn, I know you either kin to them, work for them, <laughs> or, or went to school with them or something. Can you tell me who this person is? Why is that? Because we're only about three or four away from uh, the connection-wise of knowing someone else. Why is that so? That, that's because God has called us to be, or God has called us to be connected. We're to be people that are connected. Let me just share you personally with my story. Let me give you a little bit of this. I promise you I'm going to cut this short today as much as I can, and we're going to pray for some people. Many of you have heard my testimony. Some of you may not have. In 1979, my parents and my family, and I know for some of you now are saying, 1979, that was a long time ago. It was. My, my parents had no church, nothing. We could not really relate to anything other than the fact my parents had gotten married in a particular church organization. In other words, they had their wedding there. That was it. Some of you identify. No other background. We couldn't say that our name was on a letter somewhere else. My dad, who has now been gone to be with the Lord almost five years, met a man in at his work who impacted his life and influenced his life. Here's the thing. He influenced him in such a way that he saw Jesus in that man. Because my daddy knew catechism. He understood the book of prayers. He understood a lot of scripture. But the problem he had, everybody listening to what I'm saying, is that when he saw those people outside the church, he felt like they lived their life completely opposite of what the Bible said and what they, what they memorized and spoke and prayed and all of that. Are you with me? But he met this man that knew my dad could play the guitar. My dad taught music. He, he was an excellent singer, excellent guitarist. He, he was very good at what he did. And he invited him to church, and the hook for inviting him to church was, hey, I don't want you to come and just sit here in a church pew. I want you to come. I want you to bring your guitar. Anybody remember those days? Some of them still do. They bring the guitar, the piano person's on the right or the left side of the church, the guitar's no room for him on the stage or that time the platform, and they would put him on the front row, turn next to the pianist, and they'd play the guitar. Amen. So dad was like, you don't want me coming to your church playing a guitar. My old guitar smells like four packs of stale Winston cigarettes because I've been carrying it to places that you won't go. And that man kept consistently inviting him to church till one day he came to church. And in that, at that moment, he didn't go alone. My mom wouldn't go that day. I'm trying to remember about two other sisters I had at the time. Uh, but I do know that there was a nine-year-old boy that he took with him. Tony Winkler Sr. took his son, Tony Winkler Jr., to a church. Daddy played, if I remember correctly, on the guitar for that, you know, that time and everything. And then uh, we were sitting together, and at the end of that service, I can remember as well as I can remember anything of getting up out of a, a chair, coming to the front, and kneeling at a pine altar at a front in a front of a little old church that you could throw a dog from one end to the, or a cat from one end to the other, and it would straight out the door, no air conditioning. And I knelt down and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. 
My daddy had not gotten up. My daddy had not made that commitment. But can I tell you that because that nine-year-old boy in February of 1979 got up out of his his seat and walked to an altar because a man preached the word and the conviction of God was there and gave his heart to Jesus, he could not stand it any longer. And he came, gave his heart to Jesus. Listen to me, his life was forever changed from that moment on. And hundreds if not thousands of people through his one life was changed in that community because he gave his heart to Jesus. His life was completely changed. He began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and little did he know at 15 years old, come on somebody, his boy, his son would say, I know that God has called me to the ministry. Had no idea how to preach the gospel. Had no idea how to untie two scriptures. But that God would use that boy in such a way through his life that would impact hundreds of people uh, along the way. Why? Because my dad decided that he would live his life out generationally before us and his life changed. And because his life changed, our lives changed. I remember him walking into the door of the house and said, Mama, today I gave my heart to Jesus. Today we're going to live for God. Today we're going to go to church. It made the difference in my life and I'm here today because of that. Come on, somebody. Too many of us are trying to make up our minds whether we want to be in church or not in church, whether it's convenient. Hear what I'm telling you. The reason that I'm sharing this with you, four years before my dad's death, hear me, was a man by the name of George Davis. George Davis was my pastor in the early 80s. And George Davis and his wife, Sister Helen Davis, She was my Sunday school teacher. She had gray hair then, a lot of it. She would pat me on the head and say, one day you're going to preach the gospel. I was just a boy, just nine, ten years old, just a boy. I didn't think any more about it a whole lot later on in life. I didn't really think about that, that in my life. Four years after my dad's death, fast forwarding, I'd been, I would go back to Tennessee for vacation. I would try to just get away. And every, when I would go, usually I would get invited somewhere to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. And I'd pretty much stop doing it because, you know, it's kind of like a doctor going and looking for a doctor's office to work in. You know, you just, you just, you're tired. You really want to get some, somebody else to preach and you to hear. And so we go back and my dad said, hey, son, why don't you preach? It was on a Wednesday night. The last church dad pastored. And I said, Four years before his death, I said, yeah, I'll do that, Dad. Because I really knew Dad was sick at the time, and he he wanted to hear me. And I had not preached there in a little while. So I did. I, I geared up, prayed up, pre- and got ready to preach. When I came in through the doors, my dad had told my mentor, my pastor, George Davis, that I would be there. Now, George Davis is probably in his 80s, like mid-80s. He had this love for the gospel. He had this love for the church. He had this joy. He had this glow on his face and a smile from ear to ear always. And he said something about, I I, I asked him, I I, I hugged him and, you know, everything, and I asked him how he was doing. And he said, oh, Tony, he said, we we were in, uh, he said, I went down to a, to a mobile home park, a trailer park, to visit someone who was sick. Now, he's up in his 80s. And he took somebody with him, and he said, while we were there, he said, won the whole place to Jesus. He had spent the morning or or sometime that day cutting grass. He was way up in his 80s. And when that service was over with, you know, it's hard. I got my dad there. I got my, 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 my mentor, my pastor, George Davis there. These men have preached a lot of messages. They were gospel preachers. I mean, Holy Ghost filled gospel preachers. He come up to me and he put his hands on my chest. Spoke these words. He said, I planted seeds in my ministry. This man had preached from Nebraska. all. He had preached all over the place. From the Midwest all the way back. Toward Tennessee, he all over, he had preached. He said, I have planted a lot of seeds. Your dad was one and you're another. And he said, God is using you now to take this gospel and do what, what was planted many years ago, many years ago. 
And I thought about that for a lot, and I'm telling you that story because I want you to understand that we are called to live out our lives generationally, but because I was impacted in such a way. Now, let me take you to 2014. That was recently when my dad passed away. We were having his funeral. One of the people that got saved when my close to the time that my dad did, he was preaching at my dad's funeral. They had the wake and the funeral pretty much the same night. In other words, the viewing, and then they had a funeral service or the preaching service after. It's a little, it's a little different. Small funeral home. My dad had done a lot of funerals there. My grandfather, my grandmother, several people had, dad had done funerals for that community. It was in a small community. And we could, the best we could estimate, there was about 300 to 350 people as guests who showed up. And they started a line and they walked. We saw, Bethany will tell you, we saw grown men stand over his casket, pouring saying, if it had not been for that man, I'd be in hell or jail because he loved me and preached the gospel to me. I'm, I'm on my way to heaven now. He shared with me. He loved me. He lived his life out generationally. When that happened, I, it made such an impact on my life that I began to evaluate my own life. And I said, Lord, I want to make a difference in the life of someone else just a little bit. I want to make a generational impact on the people, God, that you have given to me, that you have put in my charge. Lord, let me make just a little bit of a difference that my dad made. Let me make a little bit of a difference that Pastor George Davis made. Then I began to ask myself, do I really want to be more like him? But I'm going to ask you, is in your heart something that you really want to be more like Jesus? And if that's true, then you need to understand the principle of the way that Jesus taught. Real simply this. A lot of times Jesus would teach in crowds of people, and the crowds of the people would stand a lot of times, read your Bible, they would be almost confused about what he was saying and would not understand. And later, instead of Jesus explaining to the whole crowd what he taught, he took away from that crowd 12 or his closest friends. Listen to me, small group. Listen to me, small group leaders, why it's imperative that you understand this. There's a lot I will not be able to accomplish from this platform alone that you can and have in your power to in smaller groups. He would take them alone, Pastor Pagan, and he would talk to them and explain to them the parable or the story that he was sharing, and they would understand, and basically what he was doing was pouring his life out generationally. Why? Because he knew that he his ministry on earth, his life on earth would be short, but his ministry could continue through the people. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? God has called all of us to live it out generationally. Psalms 145. Verse 4, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim the power. Now, I want to take you to the beginning. I'll give you that scripture, and I've got just a few moments. Let me give you a little bit here from the very beginning. I'm not going to read to you Genesis 1 and 11, but we could. But I am going to read to you in just a moment Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. One of the things that we find in Genesis 1 11 is that God creates... The plant, every he's creating the living things, the plants, the trees, all of the things. If you'll read it, what you're going to find out is that he tells that plant, he tells that tree, every seed-bearing element that he creates for it to multiply. He's telling that seed-bearing plant to, re, in other words, it, it needs to reproduce itself. He's saying that everything that is created, the plants, the animals, even the humans, there's a seed inside of you for the future. Now, if I get, I don't want to get too deep here. This isn't my own, but I think it's a good thought. If you really want to think of it this way, when God created Adam and Eve, when he put Adam and Eve on the earth, we believe that's the first humans that were put on the earth. God breathed into Adam the breath of life, took from his rib, created Eve. He put inside of them the seed of every human that would ever be born on the earth. Think about it. When he created the trees and the plants, seed bearing, he put inside of that tree, inside of that plant, a seed so it would grow. So basically, only God can take 
what you and I can't see and compact it into one thing. It would take so much more than what we could. It's almost like our minds don't even wrap around it. But God can place it all into one one thing, one person, one breathing, one human plant, one animal, and create all that he needed to create for the rest of eternity. Hear me, church. Listen to what I'm telling you. If you want to live out like Jesus, if you really want to be, if you really want to be the person that God's called you to be, that God has called you to bear fruit. Let me read to you. Let me read to you. Let me read to you about what he said about multiplying. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created human beings. He didn't just create them, but the Bible says he created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male, female. Then God blessed him and said, look at what he says. Look at this. What did he say? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Some of you figured that out. With your children, you've been fruitful. You have multiplied. Fill the earth. Govern the earth. Reign over the fish, over the sea, the birds, the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. The first words that God spoke to man was what? He said, be fruitful. Why? Because he wants us to have children to be able to pass down blessings. Hear, hear this. Get this real quickly. That on the earth, one of the first things that began to happen was that there was a, a brother that killed another brother. And what began to happen from the sin in the garden was the curse began to be passed down instead of the blessing. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The curse began to be passed down instead of the blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the sad truth of it is there's a lot of families that have so much uh, so much junk going on in them that, that, that what's being passed down generationally is the curse and not the blessing. But I'm here to tell you that it only takes one generation to stand up and live it out generationally and say, as for me and my house, see, that's what Dad did. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to serve God and turn around all the generations Come on, somebody, that God has put within them, that God has given to them. Amen. God spoke that Jesus is teaching us to go out and to give our life away to others who need to hear it. Fast forward. Look at this. Fast forward real quickly. We're at the beginning. Now we're at Gen Jesus' life. Get, I'm going to get her down to a close here soon. Jesus has been crucified on the cross. The Bible says that he broke the curse over all mankind through his death, burial, and resurrection. Forty days after his resurrection, he's on a mount called, we call it transfiguration. He goes there. He, he shows up. His disciples are there. He's leaving them. He's going back to the Father. You can read this in Matthew 28. We don't have time this morning. On that mountain, just before Jesus goes away, he gives them their last command, or he speaks these last words over them, and he says, go make disciples. What is amazing to me is that in the very beginning of the book, where God tells us to go multiply, come on somebody, replenish the earth, he, Jesus says in his last words, don't stop here, but keep creating or keep making disciples. Go and make disciples. Jesus said, go pour your life into others. My father, my father-in-law, Russell Johnson, I think the world of him, he's still living. In less than one month, he will turn 80 years old. That I know of, this is just, I'm just going to share this with you. He doesn't know that I'm saying it. He didn't pay me to say it and won't pay me. He'd probably be upset, maybe kind of if he knew it. That I know of, he has never let alcohol of any kind touch his lips. I don't, I, there's a reason behind that. We don't have time to get into that story. But he has never allowed that. He's lived his life for the Lord. He is one of the most generous, giving, loving men I know. If he meets you, he is going to meet you. He is going to touch you. He's going to shake your hand. He's going to hug you. And he's going to speak to you. I worked for him for a lot of years there when Beth and I first married. But what I want to share with you is this. He impacted my life in more ways than probably he will ever know because he lived his life out generationally before me. You don't know his story. Well, he had good parents. No, his mama gave him up at the hospital. 
His grandmother took him home. He was raised by his grandparents. There's a lot in this story. He was raised during some difficult times in the world. He, he, they gathered their food more than they went to the store and bought their food. Are you, you hearing what I'm telling you? But he lived his life out generationally in his uh, daughter Bethany and now in me and in his grandchildren in such a way. Hear this. I believe in when at his 80th birthday in October, there's going to be people that are going to gather that he really is like, I don't need all of that or want all of that, that are going to talk about him, talk about his life, and love him because he lived his life out generationally. I'm just coming by to tell you today, let your life, don't say, well, he was a grumpy old man. He was a grumpy old woman. Come on, somebody. But they loved God, and they lived it out generationally, and I learned something from them. They taught me about Jesus. They taught me about the love of God. They taught me how to love my wife. Come on, somebody. They taught me how to love my children. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Living out your life generationally. All right. I got to bring it close. I got to get it closed and I'm not closed. If you go all the way back to 2 Timothy 2, where we start, rewind. Paul is charging Timothy. He tells him, Timothy. One of the things that you need to know of the story is this. Timothy, uh, Paul believes that he is one week from his execution in Rome. We know that he will be killed in Rome. He, he, he's a, he believes he's about one week from being killed in Rome. He's there. He's at that point. Here's what he's saying to Timothy. Timothy, please don't let what I have taught you die with me and you. Church of God, God-fearing people, refuge church, love Jesus, mamas and daddies. Don't let what you've heard generationally die with you. I'm preaching better than you're helping me. Because there are generations, there is a Caleb generation, there's a generation under Caleb that needs what you know. Pastor Ted, you are not in children's ministries. Gray Lynn, you're not in children's ministries because we can't find somebody else or afford to hire somebody else. I believe that your mother and your father and your, come on somebody, and Pastor Ted, your grandparents passed along something to you that those babies need to know and they need to hear. Not only do they need to hear it, but the parents of those babies need to hear it and they need to know it. You've got to understand God did not just call you here to fill a void because we couldn't do any better. Listen to me. God puts people in places, in positions because He wants you to live your life out generationally. Whatever you do, Church of God, whatever you do, Refuge Church, don't let this die with you. Don't let being filled with God's Spirit die with you. Don't let laying on of hands die with you. Don't let people being healed in altars die with you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Somebody, amen, amen, and amen. I, want, I need some help. I need somebody. I've got some things here I want to share, but I need some help. I want us to bring in kids this morning. If somebody could help just, and in, in, in they may have a radio to radio over to the, youth, to the children's ministries, but we're going to be able to bring in some kids this morning. I know that this is a lot to absorb this morning. You read, and I shared a little bit of this while we were in the green room, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1, 2. Actually, if you back up to the last chapter, 5. You'll find that Paul is doing something. I'm not going to get a chance to, to give to you all the... There's so much that I could give to you that I could say to you about how you could live your life as an influencer. Now, you haven't failed. You haven't failed. You, you're sitting there, maybe you think it in your heart for a minute, well, I haven't really been. Listen, you haven't failed. You cannot back up and change the past, but you can start today. In Hebrews chapter 5, the last parts of that chapter, the first parts of chapter 6, Paul does something. 
he's actually giving somewhat of a rebuke to the church and he's basically telling them about some principal doctrines of the Bible. And part of that was water baptism and part of it was about laying on of hands. And these children are coming in. It's okay. They're going to find a seat. We just, just hang on just a minute. He's telling them that they need to lay on of hands and to speak. And I've realized something that throughout the Bible, the Apostle Paul, throughout the Bible, the Apostle Paul wanted two things that needed to be done, or there were two things that really needed to be done, and that was the laying on of hands. Somebody say, touch, look right here. They'll be all right. Y'all just come in and put them on the back row for just a few minutes. Y'all just look right up here. I know they're coming in. It's just kids. It's just good kids. We love them. He told them, he said, Paul said, I want you to, I shouldn't have to teach you this over and over again. I shouldn't have to teach you about baptism all the time. I shouldn't have to teach you about laying on of hands, but I'm having to. He kept telling them, basically, you're on spiritual milk when you ought to be on meat. You're, you're, you're sitting and taking notes when you ought to be teaching. That's what he was telling them. And if you read that out for yourself, that's what you're going to find out of Hebrews 5, the last half, 6, the first half, when he starts telling them about elementary doctrines. In other words, grade school stuff. He said, this is where you're at. He was, he, was, he was busting. But he told them, he said, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to lay hands on them, and, and I want you to speak. And it was two things that really stand out in my life. And I, here's something, and I'm not going to get to all the examples of living out how to influence people's lives, but I want to share this with you. I recognize that when my kids come home, I want to see them. They come into the door. I want to see them. That's the greatest thing in the world. I want to see them. And I noticed that I thought about, I've replayed in my mind what I do when they come. Whether it's my oldest son or my daughter or my youngest son or even, even my daughter-in-loves and my son-in-law. I've replayed it out. The first thing I do is I touch them. I use the touch because I want them to know I'm glad they're there. The next thing I do is I speak to them. Touch, touch. Now some people say, I'm not kind of a touchy person, Pastor. I get that. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, whether you think this or not, psychologically you need to be in the right manners. You need to feel the touch of a human. That's so important. These babies, little Abigail, the first thing she need is she's heard that mother's voice. But in order for her to grow and develop the way that she is going to grow and develop, she needs that mother's touch. She needs that mother's voice. That's going to make a big difference in her life. I'm telling you all of that is because God has called all of us to be people of impact, to impact and to live generation, not through our kids, but into this next generation. We, it's time for us to put the bottle down, to pick up the meat, and to begin to do. That means that some of us are going to be serving. Some of us are going to go, and we're going to sign into a group because we really need to get into a small group. We really need to connect with somebody else and lay hands. We really need to know that. Guys, you can start some music there. We need to do that. What I felt like, let me ask you something. Just bringing them and dropping them off to church, shoving them into a classroom, children's church, or nursery is not going to fix all they will face in their life. Wayne, whether you, I know you do, realize it or not, these boys are going to live by your example. 
drive crazy? I'm not speaking it. I'm just telling you. They live by example. They Now, they will do crazy things that you don't do or you didn't think you did, but your parents usually can remind you you did. Amen. So they're not going to live by what, what you always say to them or what we say to them in children's church or in nursery, but they will live by your example. They will follow your example. They will follow your lead. Listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to you. Daddies, every daddy in this house, those kids, you are the one, really. They, they look at us. We've got single-parent moms. I understand that. And there's those single-parent moms are doing a wonderful job. Our hats off to them. Hear me. These daddies, I'm telling you, when you go to church, your kids will go with you. If you send mama some of them may go, and the rest of them want to stay at the house. I'm preaching. But if you will take the lead in your house and say, we're going to go to church normally every day. I know you're going to get some time in there. Daddy Hamlet, Pastor Fagan, he will. Y'all think I'm kidding with you, but if we were sick, you just about had to prove it by a thermometer or throwing up. You went to church. And we think that's hard, but it's not hard. It's leading by example. It's saying, hey, I, I know you don't want to go, or maybe you don't feel like going, or whatever, but we want you to go, and you're going to go. You're not just going to come up with an excuse not to show up. I want every, every child, every, and I'm saying child, children, young adults, Check ID. Come on, all the kids as much as you can. I know the kids. Fagan, would you help us and get them all up here behind me? I know we, we're gathering them up. Come on, all of them, all of them. Mamas, if you, daddies, you need to hold their hand. Come on. This is who will lead your church. I started out. My dad, who was pastoring at the time, Pastor George Davis, there was one man by the name of James Lewis Morrison. Morrison played the piano and had a, a lady behind him. I love that old man. He's awesome. But these men, had God has given me my first opportunities to stand up behind the pulpit and try to untie two scriptures and preach everything I knew in 10 minutes, I wouldn't be here with you today. One of the greatest influences. 
everyone that's Lord standing or sitting here in this place. Father, I pray, Lord, don't, don't let this die with me. Lord, don't let it die with their parents or their grandparents. But Lord, help us to pass along generationally, God, to these young boys, these young girls, God. Lord, your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, your power. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that they'll live for you that they'll be world changers. God, that you'll make a difference in their life, Lord. God, that they'll grow up to make a difference in the world around them. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would do the work, God, in their life that only you can. God, I pray, Lord, that moms and dads will live out the example, Father. Lord, we believe and agree in the name of Jesus, Lord, that there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you won't do. Father, we believe according to your word, God. Lord, that there's something great inside of them, Lord. There is something great, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that every generation represented here, Father, Lord, that they would know you. Lord, that they are covered with your blood. They are covered with your blood, with your blood, Jesus. Lord, that they are covered with your blood. Lord, that when they go to the schools, God, Lord, that they are covered with your blood. Father, when they go away to school, Lord, that they are covered with your blood. Father, we believe that. Lord, we believe that in the name of Jesus, that it is done, that it is so, God. We agree, Lord. Come on, church. Come on, church. Pass down generationally. Lord, you know how to pray. Come on, pray for these young people. Pray for them now. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. Thank you, Lord, for these young people. Thank you, Lord, that you've put leaders here, God. Lord, that are sharing Jesus with them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray and speak over them now, Lord. Blessings. We speak over them that you will keep them, Father. Lord, that you will make, Lord, that you will keep them in your love. Keep them, Father, we pray. Lord, I pray, do for them what I can't do. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. In the name of Jesus, we speak it over these children now. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus, let it be done, Father. In your name. In your name, Lord. In your We thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you now, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let it be done according to your word. According to your word. According to your word. Thank you, Jesus. I know that the Indians are getting rested. Years ago, as I as we were praying, years ago, my dad would tell a story about a young woman who her dad was a Christian man. 
Daddy, there's no blood on me. Can I tell you what they were seeing? Spiritually, listen, hear me. The, the devil can see. He knows the blood of Jesus Christ. A mama and a daddy had been praying and saturating them in prayer. And what they saw was the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you? You need to be praying over your kids before they go to school. You need to be praying for them before they go to the daycare. You need to be you need to be claiming the blood of Jesus over their life because the enemy is so subtle. He would do anything he could to destroy them, and that's why it's up to us. Even as adults, my wife and I never go for a day that we don't call our kids' names. And most of your kids, if we could call them out. Why? Because the blood of Jesus. I know this morning, this is different. 